Good morning. How are you all doing? I'm glad that you are good this morning to worship the Lord together. I want to welcome those of you who are coming, who are here for the first time. Uh, welcome. And those of you who are online watching us this morning, welcome again. And I'm sure that this service will be a blessing to you as we look to the Lord. Shall we come at this time to the Lord's hand? Look to him for his help. Father in heaven, we come to you. We bring our hearts, our thoughts together. Help us, Lord, to lift our eyes to you. We cast all our cares and worries on you because you care for us. Bring us under your word this morning. Open our eyes, our hearts. Help us to love your word. Be with us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As uh, Tim said already, this Sunday is called the Pentecost Sunday. So we'll be looking at things that happened uh, of Pentecost and why is it called Pentecost Sunday. With this, we're also starting a new series called Multi-Missional. And uh, we have the slide already up. And we're looking at different topics uh, of uh, missional. Now, you might wonder, what is this missional about? Is it being a missionary? What's missional? Too often we think of evangelism as sharing the gospel message directly with someone face to face. However, when we look at scriptures, we see that church can promote the gospel in a variety of ways, and all are important and valuable as we see in the scripture. There are different ways we can share the gospel. And this morning we will see what God instructs us as we begin the series called Multi-Missional. This series is focused on expanding our understanding in promotion of the gospel to a wider world. How do we do it? In an age like this, how do we share the good news? What is the gospel? It simply means to announce the good news of Jesus Christ, that Christ died for our sins, and that he was buried, and that he was raised again on the third day, and is now seated at the right hand of God. And that's the good news. Tell someone about what Jesus has done. We all celebrate Christmas Day, isn't it? Tells us about the birth of Jesus. And then we have the Easter Sunday that celebrates the resurrection of our Savior. But we seem to miss out on the third observance, the third event, it is just as central to understanding of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to belong to a church. Just like Christmas and Easter is important, there is this third event that sometimes we miss it out. And this is called the Pentecost Sunday. The Pentecost Sunday. This third great day in the Christian calendar is rooted in the book of Acts. 
and they celebrated the day when the Holy Spirit descended on the earth. And that's called Pentecost Sunday. And what is it all about? We will see this morning what Pentecost Sunday is all about. We're going to look at the book of Acts again and the scripture passage that was read. Um, I'm going somewhere else with this. Okay, so the scripture that, we, that was being read is Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You can open the scripture passage in your iPads or electronic devices, or if you've got your Bibles, you can open that to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And he said, you will receive power. Power for what? How? How are we going to receive this power? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. For what? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit came on that day is to enable us to be missional, to be His witnesses. And that's all that Acts chapter, verse one, chapter 1 verse 8 says. When the Holy Spirit come upon you, you will be my witnesses. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 3. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in the place. Suddenly, a sound like blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seems to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. So in chapter 2, it goes further. Now, the person who wrote the book of Acts is Dr. Luke. He's also the same person who wrote the gospel of Luke. And so he wants to continue what's happening to church after Jesus has ascended. So here he is continuing the book of uh, uh, Acts. And Luke is very meticulous in his writing. He carefully investigates the thing that he wants to write. So here he's writing about it. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, he, there are certain words that he mentions that he puts in his writing so that we will sit up and take notice. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. The 120 in the upper room were all together, signifying unity among them. They're all together in, in, in one place. And the next word he uses is, suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind. Suddenly. Now, the, now these, these people weren't expecting it. These 120 in the upper room were not expecting at all. They were given the instruction, go wait for me in the upper room. Wait for me. And they had no idea when the Holy Spirit was going to come. It says, Luke says, suddenly a sound like a blowing of violent wind came from heaven. Again, very interesting choice of words came from heaven. This Holy Spirit is not man-made. It's not something that we can generate. It's not something that we can work up like a magic and happen. But this Holy Spirit came from heaven. 
And then, fill the whole house where they were sitting. Again, Luke is careful in mentioning the word sitting. They were not in a hyped up atmosphere. They were not jumping up and down or swinging on chandeliers. Or on the rafters. Or on the rooftops. Or they were pacing up and down the room. Luke is very careful here. He says that they were sitting. They were talking and they were what's going to happen, and they're sitting down, and suddenly the Holy Spirit comes. And they saw what seems to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. There are two elements, earthly elements, in this verse. Wind and fire. Two elements. And Luke makes the point to mention these two sim uh, symbols. What does the wind do? What does the fire do? And people in Jesus' time knew very well what these two elements were used for. In the time of harvest, when they used to harvest, they would go up on a high mound, and as the wind come, they would shake the, 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 the harvest rice or wheat, and as it came down, the wind would separate. The wind would separate the chaff. And then they would set fire to the chaff to burn all the chaff the useless one. And so we find the purpose Luke mentions, wind and fire, is wind separates and fire burns. Another way of Luke trying to tell us, the Holy Spirit came to separate us for His purpose. And He burns the shaft. And this is the work that He mentions here. Very interesting. I want to ask you a few questions this morning. Why did God choose Pentecost as the day when he would pour out his spirit? Why that particular day? Why not the next day after Jesus had ascended into heaven? Or as Jesus ascending, the Holy Spirit could be descending. Oh, what a scenario that would have been, isn't it? Good introduction. And Jesus would have said, hey, bye-bye, guys, and here's the Holy Spirit as he comes down. It did not happen. Why not after a year? A good anniversary after his ascension. Why not after a year? Why not during his 40 days of post-resurrection? We know that Jesus lived on the earth after he rose from the dead for 40 days. He appeared to several people. Why not during those 40 days where he could introduce who the Holy Spirit is? But he chose the day, Pentecost, that day. Now, what is Pentecost all about? Pentecost gets its name from the Greek word meaning penta, penti, 50th. That's the fact that we... Yeah, that, 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 it's a day that took place on that day, 50th day after Christ's resurrection. Ten days after Christ has ascended. And now if you look at Easter, if you count those days, this is the day, 50th day after Christ's resurrection, or, or resurrection that we have the Pentecost. Ten days after Christ ascended into heaven. Secondly, it was a Jewish holiday. There would be a lot of pilgrims in Jerusalem from across the world. 
the descending of the Holy Spirit was perfectly timed by God to reach the widest possible audience. Because there were many pilgrims who would return home, who would come to Jerusalem and hear what's happening, and they would take it back to their homes. We will look at this in a bit uh, later on. Third reason, the day of Pentecost was a harvest festival. It celebrated the wheat harvest, as it describes in the book of Exodus, chapter 23. In the Hebrew Bible, it's called the Feast of Harvest, where the Jews would bring their first fruit to, uh, to, to the temple. They would bring it as thanksgiving. The first crops that they, that they would harvest, they would bring it. And friends, what a symbolic day that the Holy Spirit chose to come. Oh, till this time, it was the, the harvest that was brought to the temple to give thanks. People are going out to the fields and getting the harvest. But now at this time on the day of Pentecost, it is a beautiful symbolic significance. It was a great harvest of not of crops, but of people. There was a lot of people in Jerusalem on that day. Some of the scholars say there were over 100,000 people in Jerusalem for this feast of Pentecost. And God chose that particular day and he's telling the world it is no more about the crops, about the harvest, but it is people. It is people. It is missional. It is people. That's exactly what happened. When Peter stood up and he preached the sermon, 3,000 people came to the Lord on that day. Church was born on the day of Pentecost from people from all over the then known world. Acts chapter 2 verse 9. Look at the list. Look at the nationalities where people came from. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, that's today's Iraq, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Pergia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, and visitors from Rome, Cretans, and Saudi Arabians. We hear them all declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. People from these nationalities, and if you were to count, there were 15 nationalities present on that day, on the day of Pentecost. 15 nationalities. The church began as a diverse movement in a very different cultural and language context. And what is God telling us? Church is made up of different language and different cultural context. That is his church. Gone are the age barriers. Gone are the gender barriers. Gone are the social barriers. Gone are the educational barriers. Gone are the racial barriers. The Holy Spirit includes and calls all of God's people. The rich, the ragged, the scholars, the unschooled, the blacks, the whites, the browns. In this dynamic mission, asking them to declare the wonders of God. Declare the wonders of God. 
And that's exactly what Peter did. He stood up and he declared the wonders of God on that day. The church was born. As Tim read the scripture before the service, as we were starting the service, of a scripture passage in Joel, Joel chapter 2, where God will ultimately pour his spirit on all flesh. And this is what we see on the day of Pentecost. Peter, as he stands up to give his first sermon, he refers to his, this prophecy that Joel had prophesied in the Old Testament. He says, the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men and will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. God will pour out his flesh on all people. And it was happening here on the day of Pentecost. God did not send the Holy Spirit on Pentecost just because 50 days was a nice round number. 40 days of Jesus on the earth sounded nice. He did not send the Holy Spirit because there's these numbers sounded nice, 50, 40. He did not send the Holy Spirit because the disciples had prayed for 10 days. No. He sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost because of the large number of people and a great opportunity to spread the gospel to the rest of the world. Imagine, friends, 15 nationalities, these people taking the gospel back to their countries. And we see Paul, Apostle Paul, when he goes to Rome, church had already established in Rome. Probably these people who had come from Rome all the way on that day heard this and went back and took the gospel. There were a few people in Jerusalem who decided to wait. Oh, well, hang on. This, this place, Jerusalem, looks nice. Let's stay together. Let's cuddle up and be cozy. But you know what happened? Persecution came in. Persecution came to the church, the early church, and people were driven out. And wherever they went, they preached the gospel. For some, the term Pentecostal has become to be more associated with speaking in tongues. And they have overlooked the harvest of souls. They've got so much caught up with this business of tongues and things like that and have forgotten the main purpose that the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. It's in souls. It's people. So the main focus is the harvest in Jerusalem. And on that day, the Holy Spirit came in extraordinary power. 3,000 were harvested from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. This was the beginning of his church in Jerusalem, empowering people to be witnesses to all nations. Empowering people to be witnesses of all nations. Friends, that serves as a reminder for us that God has empowered us to be His witnesses. To be His witnesses. It doesn't mean to go about and bashing people with Bibles on their heads. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, You shall be my witness. Be His witness wherever we are. In a neighborhood, in a workplace, in a uni. Wherever we are, be His Witnesses. God's plan for being glorified among the nation was to form the church. That was God's plan, to be glorified among the nations. 
It is not by coincidence that God poured out the Holy Spirit on that day. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. What's the church, friends? It's not the building. The church is you and I. That's the church, you and I. His people coming together. And Jesus said, I will build my church. He will build us up. And the gates of hell will not stand against it. Friends, if God is going to be glorified on this earth, then the church is the answer. God is not going to send angels to come and evangelize or share the good news or to be witnesses. He has chosen us. He has empowered us to be his witness. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, your immediate family, in Judea, with your friends, in Samaria, out there, the, flo- the folks whom you don't like, who don't like you, with all the hostile and sinful people, and then to the ends of the earth. The meaning of Pentecost is God equipping His church with the power of His Spirit. That's how God is going to be glorified among the nations. Our purpose as His people is not to focus on ourselves, but to focus on others. Where is the sick, the needy, one that's to be cared? That's the purpose. And that's why God has empowered us to reach out to people in pain. Even though we live ourselves in pain, we reach out to those in pain. The gospel by its very nature cannot be confined to a cuddly, safe, insulated environment. Friends, the church cannot be in these four walls. The church exists outside. We cannot just be cuddling up ourselves together and saying, oh Lord, we'll wait till you come back again. That's not what God intended us for us to do. He intended intended that we would be His witnesses. And that's a sad historical evidence that we have. In the Middle Ages, when the churches built up big walls of mission compounds and said, we will be in here fasting and praying and doing our own thing. And that's when we see the beginning of the Middle Ages when the church looked inward within itself and forgot to look outside. The church became so inclusive. It became so withdrawn from the world out there. And we see around 600 AD, the rise of Islam coming into the picture. When the church began to look inside, became closed. We find the dark ages of the church starting around this period. Let, let history serve as a reminder for us, friends, that we will not just be a people within the four walls, but we will be missional. Deliberately, we will be his witnesses in the community outside. Secondly, the scope of God's plan is all nations. All nations. Luke goes through the list. We saw that list. The key to the list is verse 5 where it represents men from every nation under heaven. Good news is for all. 
John says in the gospel of Reve- in, in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verse 9, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude. Look at that. That no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne room of God, before the Lamb of God. What a picture that is. What a picture. People from every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before God and worshiping God. Friends, we all are going to be part of that group. Part of this great community where we'll be standing up in His presence and worshiping God. The work of evangelism is not done in our own strength, but in the empowering power of the Holy Spirit. The necessary power for fulfilling God's plan is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not just a force or a rushing wind or tongues of fire. He is the third person of the Trinity. God in every way. He is a personal being. This is what Jesus says of the Holy Spirit. Look at what he says in John chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his, on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you the things to come and he will glorify me for he will take what is of mine and declare to you. Look at the personal pronoun. This is Jesus introducing the Holy Spirit to his disciples. When he said that he was going to die and he was going to go away, the disciples said, Lord, we're going to be orphans. Who's going to care for us? We're going to be all by ourselves. And Jesus told them, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will send you another person just like me. The Holy Spirit, another person just like Jesus, the Holy Spirit. He, Spirit of truth, He will guide, He will speak on His own authority. But, uh, uh, he will not speak on His own authority, but from the Father. Whatever He hears, He will speak. This is who the Holy Spirit is. Not a force, but a person. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see God's plan fulfilled in Peter's life. Who was Peter? Uh, that's another important evidence there that God chose Peter. Who was Peter? We saw a couple of Sundays back who Peter was. Life was up and down, up and down. One moment he'll be declaring the works of who Jesus is. Another moment he'll be denying Jesus. Peter was one who up until this point seemed to, unab- seemed to be unable to open his mouth without putting his foot in it. And now he gives perhaps one of the greatest evangelistic sermons ever. If God could use Peter, then he can use you and me. If God could use Peter, who could deny Jesus, who would mess up things time and time and again, who thought he was a failure, if God could use Peter, he can use you and me. And that's why Peter stood up. God empowered Peter just to show us, friends, God can use imperfect people. God can use people with failures, 
God can use people who says, well, I have nothing to give. That's who God wants us. He will fill us with his Holy Spirit, empower us to be his witness. He is the one who reveals the truth of scripture for us. He is the one who speaks on our behalf to God. He is the one who empowers us to do good works that is set before the foundations of the earth. In conclusion, friends, what's our task? What are we called to do? To be his witness. That's missional. Our village, our hometown, our city, shop assistant, the bus drivers, the mothers, the elderly people you see every day within our reach, place where we go fill up our cars at gas stations, people you meet regularly, our neighbors, friends, colleagues, our families who desperately needs to hear about Jesus. Are we ever making an effort to say hello to them? The same shop where we go and buy bread and milk. At the checkout counter. Do you ever take time to say hello to them? That's the post you would come in front. Put the letter in, your, in a letterbox. Say hello to him. Let's not hesitate, friends, to be missional. And when I say missional, say hello. Wave at people. And here are simple ways to engage with people around us. You got the sheets when you came, came into, the, into the church this morning. There are 15 ways. Please don't fold it up and put it up somewhere at home you forget. Put it in your Bibles. Keep it somewhere where you can see. Some 15 ways, some simple ways. Most of these things on the list are normal. Everyday things. And many people already have been doing, doing these things. The hope is that we would do these things with gospel intentionality. Not all, not all on this list is for everyone, but hopefully there'll be several ideas on this list that God uses to help us to engage with our neighbors. Number one, stay outside in the front yard while watering the garden. And somebody passes by, give a smile, wave, say hello. Ask them the next question, how are you doing? You see, it takes you a long way when you begin to ask those questions. Walk your dog regularly around the neighborhood in the same places. There you see several of them walking their dogs. Say hello. Sit in front porch, letting kids play in the front yard. Invite your neighbors over for a bite. Attend family neighborhoods. Get together. Have some game nights in your yard. Grow garden. Give it extra produce to your neighbors. Have an Easter egg hunt in your, in your neighbor. Invite the kids in the block. Do a summer barbecue. Invite others to contribute. Host a footy game show in your home. Invite your friends in the neighborhood. Ask them to come over. Have a coffee and biscuit night. Organize to host a Tupperware or similar things like that. Host a movie night at your place. Start or join walking or running groups in your neighborhood. Have an ice cream in the front yard. A couple of days back when we had the Anzac Day, people would come up in the front, light a candle, stand with them. Have a chat with them after that. Be friendly. 
Let people know where you live. Talk to them. Friends, that's being missional. Building a relationship with non-Christians. Building a relationship with people who are hurting and in pain. Who are suffering. Even though we suffer, even though we are in pain, we can reach out and say, well, this is what God can do for me. Isn't that a tremendous thing? As we go about our lives at home, at work, at play, at weekends in a community, we are as witnesses. The Holy Spirit is an advocate who helps us in our witness. So this morning, friends, I urge you, if you have any ideas, any other suggestions, let me know. And you won't have, you have some questions, you want to talk to me, invite me for a coffee, you pay, I'll pray. We can meet together and talk about it. Be his witnesses. And that's what God asks us to be. If God wants to be glorified, we are his witnesses. Shall we pray? Father God, we come to you this morning. So many times, Father, we just fail to be your witness. People don't know who we are. We hide ourselves in homes and in our workplace and we fail just even to say hello to people. This week, Father, we pray that you'd intentionally help us. That we would be aware in our workplaces, in our uni, wherever we live, in our homes, in our neighborhoods places we go to put petrol and meet people there. Shopping centers as we check out. Help us, Holy Spirit, to take just the next step, just simple steps to build relationship, just to ask people how they're doing. We pray, Father, that you'll be with us. Strengthen us as we commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. God bless you.